0: he's breaking it down so you don't have to. This is Breaking It Down with Frank McKay on 1071 WLIRFM
1: Hampton Bays. I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here with Andy Matishak. And she is uh, a wonderful actress and, uh, you know, so many, uh, so many people know her for so many things. But, you know, it's Halloween time and, and Allison is uh, is in the crosshairs, and um, what a great franchise! And it's uh, it become such a part of us uh, over the years. But this generation's, uh, uh, you know, the horror queen uh, to me is Andy Matishak. Thrilled to have her. Uh, you've seen her on so many different things: uh, Blue Bloods, Orange, is the New Black, um, so many things. But Halloween is upon us, and Halloween ends. It's in theaters starting today. And you'll be able to see it stream on
2: yeah.
1: on, on uh, Peacock. And uh, just uh, absolutely amazing to talk to her. Andy, how are you? Hi, I'm doing well. How are you? I, I'm doing very well. And I imagine you're very busy this time of year. Everyone wants to talk to you, as we do. And people always want to talk to you, but I think especially this time of year
3: definitely no it's it's um I'm gonna be sad next year when we're not rolling out one of these <laughs> films again,
1: yeah, you must feel a little like Santa Claus, nobody wants to talk to santa Claus, uh except around uh around christmas time and and uh not that they don't want to talk to you uh but uh people no especially.
3: no, but you're so right, you definitely get um there's like a definitely an influx of people that that I hear from around this time of year and and it's nice it's it's nice to to get to connect with people and and kind of know that um you know it'll be it'll be even though this is it and, and it's over our, our trilogy is over it's um you know it's, it's nice that every every year there's always going to be a time for these films to be revisited and um like you know, a love and appreciation that will go on past just just now
1: do you anticipate it uh, being like this when you first got the role no, I
3: knew that there was there was a potential for for more films, but you know, in this industry, anything can happen, and um, so we really weren't. I wasn't holding my breath that there was going to be anything else. And and the 2018 movie is pretty definitive as a standalone film. Um, so it was it was a really really great experience, and I was just trying to soak it in every minute. And then after that, you know, the film came out. It was record breaking in in a lot of ways, and. And um, you know Jamie Lee broke many records herself and it was it, it was a, a couple it was a little bit of radio silence right after the film um, came out and we didn't really know what was gonna be happening if, if we were gonna do another or not and then they announced that we were gonna do not just one but two more and that is I mean it's a once-in-a-lifetime experience to get to do one of these things but to get to do it three times over is um completely mind-blowing
1: when I saw the the 2018 uh film i thought to myself uh andy is going to be i don't know whether she knows it yet but she is going to be uh legendary and she's going to be a, uh, a staple at every uh horror con and and people are going to be talking about you whether you're there or not and i knew there'd be more uh i just you know and you're right it was standalone it was terrific and uh, and And all of those things that you said are, are true, and again i'm not you know I'm not an actor, but you did a great job, and because you did a great job and it, it's a great franchise, uh, you're going to be recognized for the rest of your life. no matter what you could do, the next citizen Kane, you could win five Oscars, but people are going to remember you for uh, for the certain segment of the population are going to remember you for this, and I think it's wonderful to be honest with you.
3: Thank you. Thank you so much. That's incredibly kind. And, um, and re- yeah, thank you. That, that means a lot to me. This has been such an incredible journey, and it's now spanned, you know, a huge portion of my life. And uh, it always will be. And, and Jamie always speaks, Jamie Ricardis always speaks really openly about the fact that all, um, like, the look at the career she's had and what people know her from, what her legacy will be is Halloween. And, and it's such an honor that I was able to be part of this with her and um, get to kind of be along this this journey
1: and and, as she took her final bow, as Lori showed. Now, you know, I know things are are, are fluid and people's careers are fluid during uh, the pandemic and coming out of it. It's like we're just kind of catching up and then there's still, you know, restrictions and everything there. But do you uh, either avoid, and I'm talking things in the future, not not things that you've done already, but uh, do you avoid horror at this point do you uh do you uh seek horror because you can go either way you know, I know some, you know some people would avoid it i i don't agree i think you should grab as much of it as possible and whatever if it's good if it's good quality stuff you know grab it but are, are you are you conscious of that either way
3: you know horror is is um in a really great moment in time right now for for the genre and there are so many subgenres within the genre. There's a lot of really good content in this space that is that is happening right now. Um, a lot of incredible people are involved in this space. So it would be it would be a little, in my opinion, um, silly to just be like I'm done doing horror altogether. Right. No, of course not. I think that you know the right thing comes along, the right story comes along, the right director, the right cast, the right everything there's always there's always a um there's definitely i would never just cross my arms and say no more um by any means so it's it would be silly to kind of just totally square it off it's also a huge part of my life and i enjoy making these movies so we'll see obviously having like a little bit of a palate cleanser <laughs> might be nice yes. um after doing three of these films back to back but um but we just have to see kind of kind of what what comes and and um and go from there
1: uh, see, I think the Walking Dead and the popularity that that it has has launched uh, a whole new set of fans into uh, into checking out horror and thrillers and uh, and you know and, and you know for the most part not just the zombie um, genre but uh, but everything else. Uh, do you uh, do you have that same sense that the Walking Dead have have a lot to do the the what's going on over there had a lot to do with bringing new fans in into uh horror
3: yeah definitely i think there are many projects that have like kind of spanned uh genres and and gotten people excited uh, over the years even um but in in recent day probably that that would be a good a good thing to to point to as, as something that drew people in uh you also have like a show like stranger things that it has a lot of horror elements in it. I mean, they have a couple of homages to Michael Myers in it, which is so fun. Um, but they, yeah, I mean, it's definitely their horror spans across across many many genres. I mean, I I was talking about this the other day. Cause I had to get a list of um, like my favorite horror films to a publication, and and I was talking with our one of our producers, Ryan Turek, about this and about like, would will I get. Heat, if I say this film is a horror movie, like Jurassic Park was on my list. And I was like, will I get, and like, people would be like, that's not horror. And because I, I was like, to me, it is. I mean, it's like, you have these incredible scares and this incredible tension. And it's so, it's so exciting and, and fun. You also have like something like Sounds of the Lambs that a lot of people wouldn't consider horror that it is. <laughs> it 100% is. So it's like, I think it just takes the right, um, the right story, the right storytelling, uh, the right vehicles, the right, Everything and yeah, I think that. And one of the things that's amazing about Halloween ends is, is I really think that this film is going to bring in fans that aren't necessarily huge on horror as well. It's it's really one of those movies that is um, it's really fun and different and unexpected and 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 just kind of bold and, and um, like sexy in a way that like these films haven't been. So it's it's uh, it's definitely a fun film.
1: Andy uh, before we let you go uh, congratulations on on this Halloween ends but the whole uh, the whole string the whole trio great job by you and also uh, anything else you want to add before you go but please leave us with social media sites or or websites anywhere we could follow along with what you're doing
3: definitely uh, just go see this film it's out today on uh, in theaters and on peacock now and it's it's just a, a hell of a conclusion to to the trilogy, and and um, you can find me on Instagram at Andy Matishak.
1: Andy, thank you very much for being here.
3: Thanks for having me. It was such a pleasure.
1: Andy Matishak has been our very special guest. She's uh, fantastic, and if you, haven't, if you haven't seen the franchise. Uh, you could start from the beginning. You, you could yeah, you could start from the end. People are going to go there. Uh, you know, it's not like you're going to have a hard time following, you know, like what happened before. You know, it's it, you, you know, you know where it's coming from. And, um, you know, I guess ideally you would watch all three of them in a row. But she's uh, she's terrific in it. As Jamie Lee Curtis was and uh, and still with uh, with what she's done is uh, uh, you know, she's she's made a mark. In, in her career, Jamie Lee Curtis with the, the Halloween films and Andy Matishak, uh, I'm sure, will love to look back 20 years from now and say, hey, I did what uh, Jamie Lee Curtis did. And, and, of course, Jamie Lee Curtis has been in, in a million things and has had just great success in so many you know, trading places and so many other uh, great films. But uh, the horror genre is a very, uh, very forgiving and uh, and very possessive and the fans of of that genre will um will will love you uh you know if you if if they love the film they'll love you for being in the film and they're forgiving in a sense that uh they they are very happy that uh when they get an opportunity to meet somebody who's in the uh in in some of these films and and you know you get um you know the the Comic Cons of the world, uh, Chiller, uh, is uh, uh, is uh, is absolutely uh, packed every year, and you know they they were I don't know where they did it I, I lost track with COVID but Parsippany New Jersey and uh, the the hotel kind of looked like a castle and it was kind of added to the whole thing but Chiller's conventions are are, are, are always filled with the actors actresses directors. Um, Special effects folks that come from these uh, these shows. Andy Matishak has been our very special guest, uh, and she is uh, she is known from Orange, The New Black, Blue Bloods, and and of course the Hollywood franchise. Hollywood ends is upon us, and and we'll see you all next time on Breaking It Down. This is Frank McKay.
0: This is Breaking It Down with your host, Frank McKay, on 1071 WLIRFM, Hampton Bays.
1: I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here. So much more importantly, Goliath. Premieres the new uh, series uh, season uh, premieres tomorrow, Friday, September twenty fourth. Bittersweet final season. It is the best show on TV bar none, in my opinion, without question. And uh, a big reason why is uh, the character Billy McBride, of course. Billy Bob Thornton is our very special guest, and we have have him here for a couple minutes. Billy Bob, how are you? good how you doing i'm doing great but i god uh, sad to see this go uh i know it's the last season so people are excited but i mean final season what does that mean
4: well you know i only signed up for four and sometimes uh you know just rhythmically something seems right and four seasons felt right for this and uh you know, with some series, sometimes they go a bridge too far, and uh, we didn't want to do that, because we feel we have the most powerful story we've had so far. And you kind of don't want to struggle for a better story the next year, you know? And uh, you kind of want to go out on a on a high note, I guess, is the, the
1: upshot of it. Yeah, it's better to leave early than stay too long. I mean, we see athletes do that uh, all the time. But I mean, this is uh, uh, it, you know, hey, listen, this is a this is a hit. So many people are into this and and into what you're doing. Uh, did you think it would go well from the beginning? I mean, uh, it, has this uh, has exceeded your expectations?
4: uh yes, definitely exceeded my expectations. Uh, I, I I knew the show was very good. But you just can't ever tell how it's going to go and how it's going to resonate with audiences, you know. So uh, I was very pleased to see how much people love it. it was, uh, it's been a really, really great uh, time doing the show, and I, I really appreciate the fans, and I love the cast and crew. It's, it's been a great experience, and, you know, I was working at home on it, so I knew that at least half the year I was going to be home with the family, you know, which was great.
1: Yeah, we got to give a shout out to the casting people. I think they did a great job. Uh, you know, obviously with you, but I mean, uh, you know, every everyone else that is involved, it just seemed like it, it's a, a good uh, batch of chemistry that they put together. And I got to give a little shout out to the casting folks. They did a wonderful job here. Nice cast here.
4: Oh, yeah, really wonderful people. You know, of course, you know, Larry Trilling and. Uh... So the producers and stuff had a lot to do with it too. but the casting director was Cammie Patton, who's wonderful. She's been doing it a long time as she's one of the
1: best. Well listen, I know you're in a rush and we we're, uh, we're thrilled to have you for a little while here. but uh, let me ask you real quick, how solid is your is your schedule after this? Is it very fluid, not knowing what's going to go on uh, pandemically and so forth or do you have uh, do you have things to report for the rest of this year?
4: Well, actually, yeah, we just, uh, since uh, we finished uh, shooting Goliath, I went to uh, uh, Europe and did a movie and uh, um, did a cameo for some friends of mine, and uh, I've got a movie I'm doing this fall, an independent film, uh, which is, you know, more sort of like in my old wheelhouse, and uh, then uh, I've got another one in the uh, early spring, and then we... Do another album with the band, and then we go on tour again uh, in the late spring uh, of partially the U.S. and part Canada.
1: Well, listen, I'm I'm dying to see that as well. Uh, glad to see it back. Is there a website where people can follow the band?
4: Uh, yeah, you can just go on to boxmasters.com, uh and uh, that's our just our website, and you can find out information you need to know there. Listen, boxmasters.com.
1: Listen, congratulations on, on, on everything you're doing with the band, and Goliath is uh, very exciting for us. We'll be talking about it as we let you go. I know a lot of people are waiting to talk to you. Uh, Billy Bob, thrilled to have you, and uh, thanks, for, uh, thanks for being here.
4: Oh, thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it.
1: Billy Bob Thornton, everyone. <laughs> Goliath is upon us, and uh, it, it's, a, it's a great show. Absolute great show. He's a gunshot uh, survivor, and in, in you know the final episode of the third season, and, and interesting to see where it goes. His character Billy. McBride is uh, is something that uh, you know. I you know he mentioned something being in his wheelhouse. Uh, he's a great actor. Billy Bob Thornton is a great actor, and I don't know what his wheelhouse is. I mean, if you see Sling Blade, and then you watch, uh, you know, this right after it, and and Friday Night Lights, uh, A Simple Plan, all uh, again, they're. They're all very different. I don't know. I don't know what his wheelhouse is, but I mean, I'll I'll yield to him on that. He is a great, great actor, Oscar winner, of course. But uh, first time I ever heard of him was Sling Blade, and and it was just uh, you know to me he just uh, he, he he blew me away with that character, and he uh, you know again what is his wheelhouse? I mean, I don't know what he thinks his wheelhouse is, but he's uh, it's all. A a large range of uh, of different roles, if you ask me, he's put together an amazing career and and just a super talented guy. Uh, Interesting backstory on Billy Bob Thornton: he uh, uh, he was born in Arkansas. You could hear the heavy drawl, you know, the the southern drawl. Uh, His his mother was a psychic. And his dad was an educator, a high school history teacher, a basketball coach. So, you know, he gets his, uh, you know, sports uh, in there. But, uh, you know, you know, Hot Springs, Arkansas, which isn't, you know, which isn't the backwoods or whatever. But still, it's compared to, you know, L.A. or New York. It's, uh, you know, it's deep south. No question about it. And uh, he's, um, you know, he's a colorful character. He's an eclectic guy. And just uh, out of nowhere this morning, i um, uh, gentleman called and said hey do you want Billy Bob uh, for uh, for a short uh, quick interview and I said are you kidding it'd be great and he was in the middle of a bunch of things and they said can you keep him at six minutes or something along those lines I said yeah no no problem thrilled to have him and, uh, and and we just want I wanted to you know not rush him off but I wanted to make sure he got off and um you know it got to do whatever he was uh, what he was handling but I was a yeah, nice surprise you know when you hear about Billy Bob Thornton we'll get him uh, in the future for a longer period of time we were supposed to have him in the past on something else but um, he's he's uh, uh, you know, he, he, there's a lot you could talk to him about. Goliath is is the focus because it's the final season, and he he signed up for it. By the way, if he wanted to do another season, they would do another season. It all has to do with him, of course. You know, and good casting. You know, he uh, he gave proper credit to the the folks that uh, that do the casting there. But uh, I'll tell you what, he is. Um, uh, he is a multi-talented guy, uh, a wonderful musician, uh, drums and uh, and he's a, he sings, and you know the uh, the band, uh, uh, Trey Ombrés uh, opened for Hank Williams, uh, you know, back in eighty one. So if you think about how you know how far back he goes, and he ended up moving to L. A. Uh, with a childhood friend. And I, I I think I can't think of the guy's last name, but it was a guy named Tom. And the both of them were were going out to act and to write and so forth. And you know, I asked him about exceeding his expectations. With Goliath, certainly exceeded his expectations with his career coming from Hot Springs, and just you know, I mean, you know, what can you say about his career? It's just absolutely, absolutely wonderful. So thrilled to have Billy Bob for a a couple moments and uh you know we wish him well with the uh, the movie that he he did um it sounds like he uh, did a cameo for a friend and everything else and uh, once again love to have him for a longer uh period of time but we'll we'll take what we can get with with some of these guys and certainly billy bob thornton uh you know whether he gives us a couple minutes or an hour we'll take it um but again, Sling Blade, if you didn't see Sling Blade, that was ninety six. So we got out to LA in eighty one and and he really hit with Sling Blade, which he wrote, directed, starred in and just uh you know, he he flew up uh starred him there. I think he's been married six times or something like that. He's like I said, he's a colorful character. He'd be a very interesting guy to talk to for a long period of time. Uh but uh hey look Billy Bob Thornton and his final season of Goliath is upon us. It is a, a wonderful show. If you're not watching it and you're looking for something to binge, uh, check out Goliath. But Billy Bob Thornton plays the main character, and, and look, I, I won't give you too much—a legal drama, but it is—it's terrific, and it's—it's uh, it's easier to binge because there's only three seasons so far. And Billy McBride is his character. Billy Bob Thornton, everyone, has been our very special guest. Frank McKay signing off. We'll see you all next time on Breaking It Down.
0: It's Breaking It Down with Frank McKay. Long
1: Island Vibes.
0: On one zero seven one W WLIRFM Hampton Bays. Now, here's your host, Frank McKay.
1: I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here with someone. If they had a, a lighting and stage design hall of Fame, they'd have to create a whole wing for Steve Cohen and he's uh, absolutely amazing and If you've seen his work, actually, you may not even know whether you you've seen his work or not but uh if you've seen his work, you'll never forget it and if you if you haven't uh, you should know who's behind some of the genius of some of this uh, light and and stage design it is unbelievable and i've seen his work just recently uh he's done tremendous work with some of the biggest stars in the world he's been all over the world uh billy joel was a big starting point for him and still uh, a dear friend and a uh, and, and someone he collaborates with constantly but without further ado let me bring in steve cohen steve how are you
2: i'm great man how are you
1: uh, absolutely wonderful and I'm thrilled uh, thrilled to talk to you I, I almost said uh you've been at this for half a century uh it, it, how accurate is that time wise it'll be
2: half a century if you can believe it In uh, if I can believe it in uh in 2024 in November actually that's that's my that's my uh my tenure with Billy Joel I started doing lighting in clubs in Los Angeles in the, in 70 Ooh, I guess 73 so I think I think we're pushing 50 years now yep
1: it's 50 years and, and again to do something at this higher level uh, if you don't mind let's get a little bit of your history and if you don't mind further uh, let's start from the beginning where were you born where were you raised
2: yeah, well it's you know when you talk about being it being a big industry it's uh, when it started out it was it was nothing like that you know the 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 touring industry the production touring industry you know, is almost not much older than, than, you know, than me. I mean, I'm, I'm going to be, I don't know, 60, I'll be 68, I'll be 69 in July next year. So, you know, I think that touring for music uh, lighting and set and special effects and all of the things that, you know, it's turned into now, you know, isn't much more than 60 years old. And, and uh, you know, when I started, there was, uh, there were a couple, there were a handful of companies that, Um, provided gear for, you know, rock and roll tours. Remember, you know, playing arenas, uh, which is where production, you know, really sort of found its home really was kind of new in the early seventies, you know, Um, you know, playing big sports arenas. I think Elvis was one of the first ones to do it, but uh, you know, but there really wasn't, you'd play a stadium or you'd play a club and, you know, the stadiums were only reserved for festivals and the Beatles. So, you know, when I started, um, you know the the main touring venues were theaters, field houses, uh, community centers, uh, um, war memorial auditoriums. Um, you know they were they were not you know your standard you know hockey arenas and basketball arenas. And even in the early days of hockey and basketball arenas weren't the same as they are today. I mean, most hockey arenas were you know with the exception of Chicago and a couple of other ones were. Or maybe you know maybe fifteen thousand people you know now you 're into twenty twenty two thousand people, so it you know when I started out it was uh it was a it was a new thing, and that 's probably the only way I got into it. I was doing lighting and and sound at a club called the Starwood in Los Angeles on <laughs> Santa Monica Boulevard and Crescent Heights, and you know bands like you know the van Halen guys before they were Van Halen played there and you know, different members of different bands, Guns N' Roses, a couple of those guys played there, and this was, you know, 10 years before they formed their own band. So I got to see musicians that eventually I remembered seeing later on when they became famous. But I was doing Lights and, and Sand, and I had a little bit of a t- uh, penchant for it. Uh, and my buddy and I had a happy idea and said thought we would start a, a lighting company. I was inspired by Sting a Jethro Hall concert in at the forum in like 72 or something like that and previously the you know lighting when you would see lighting in 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 tours uh, or in those kind of environments were all ground support and what i mean by that is that there were ladders and towers that were set up and they would you know clamp lights on them but there was never anything you know flown above the band's head and jethro tall had what i had seen which was the first lighting truss which hung over the band and the show started and they didn't use those follow spots from the back of the room. It was just lights directly over Ian Anderson's head. And I was struck. With, I was just struck with how, how fricking cool and dramatic that was. And I said, you know, I I'd like to figure out how to do that. And of course no one would hire me. So we were, we were, we, we were, you know, cause I didn't have any kind of career. And so, so my buddy and I were salesmen we were kids. I was 20, he was 21. And we, raised a little bit of money and we met some guys and we started to engineer uh our version of a lighting truss. And the guys we worked with were now, you know, legendary men in this industry, but at the time, you know, one guy was a, a rigger for the for Disney and another guy was a electronics guy who built things in the back of a garage uh and we built this lighting system and uh We were going to take it out on the road. We didn't have anybody. We didn't have anybody. We didn't have any clients. And once a year, Billboard magazine used to put out a magazine that on the back of the magazine uh, was a list of every manager and their office of the top 50 in the Billboard top 50. So we would sit in the back. Uh, of the apartment, and cold call every single manager. And I mean, I'm telling you, I called. I didn't care. I cold called the guys who managed. Yes, I called. Cold called the guy who managed Genesis. Uh, I called Tall. I called uh, a bunch of different acts. Like thinking, you know, you'd never get anywhere, but just cold calling people because you could get them on the phone. And um, we both took meetings. Myself and my partner took meetings, and we had. He had a meeting with the guys who managed Earth, Wind, and Fire. Uh, and at the time, Earth, Wind & Fire was on their first record. I think their first record, their second record. And I had a meeting with this guy, uh, Billy Joel, who I had absolutely no idea who he was. Um, I, had, I had heard Piano Man a couple of times. I thought it was Harry Chapin. I had no idea who it was. And we went and had our meetings. They were both pretty f- funny and fantastic meetings. I met the sound engineer and the manager at the time and uh, And I think my partner met one of the one of the one of the brothers who who managed Earth, Wind, and Fire, and we came back to the apartment and we said, "Oh i got I got the Billy Joel tour." He said, "Well, I got the Earthwind and Fire tour." And it was like, "Well, we have two tours and one lighting system. So the one big lines lighting system was going to go on Earthwind and Fire because they were going to play arenas. And now I had to go out on the road all by myself with Billy Joel, and I and I went down to uh, a a company called Four Star Lighting in Hollywood, and I rented a bunch of shit. I rented a couple of you know air towers and some lights, and I had uh, I built a couple of little attachments to the top of the air tower that were these days I would have been put in prison because there was no <laughs> safety at all. Yeah. I mean, these, these things would hang over the front of the stage to be like, if I did, in fact, I didn't wipe out a, a pop star or, or, or three rows is is a, someone was watching after me. Um, and, and I, and I, and I listened to the Billy Joel record and I was like, yeah, uh, okay. I mean, I was a California boy. I, I was like Eagles and Jackson Brown. And, you know, then I was into prog rock. I loved yes. And all that stuff. So Billy was not up my bandwidth, but, you know I was going on the road the sound engineer had a lot and I you know developed a friendship so I set this system up in uh, at the uh, uh, Gower Studios because the, the television studio the film studios and and on, on Gower were getting ready to get turned torn down they haven't they were restored and put back to work but so you could get bands can get them really cheap and I set up this lighting system had no rehearsals and, Billy and the bands set up and um. You know i knew music and i started to listen to him playing and i think he played um I think he played the ballad of billy the kid and i was like literally thrown against the back wall i had never heard anything like that in my life um it was symphonic it was it was it had dynamics it was and for a lighting guy the greatest song in the world to do lighting cues because it had big swells and big drops in the middle and just just incredible. And I was sold. And I just went, Oh my God, this is great. And 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 you know, the set list then was, you know, it was we were he was supporting Street Life Serenade, so it was his second record, actually his third record, and didn't have a hit on it. And we were playing um we had a handful of dates, excuse me, and we played um we were playing uh like field houses and 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 gymnasiums and things like that. So my first gig was in, my first gig was in Kansas City. Yeah, it was in Kansas City, um, in November '74. I think October and November '74. Pulled up, set up my gear. Billy went on stage. We did the show. I don't remember much of the show. Um, tore it down, put it in the truck, and the sound guy Brian Ruggles comes tearing up to the back of the theater in a rent a car and he says hey Billy wants to see you and I'm like Billy wants to see me like I'm getting fired right so I get in the car and uh I think oh it's nice he's gonna fire me in person And, and I get in the car and we go to the Holiday Inn and it's one of those Holiday Inn courtyards where you know the pool and all the rooms you know face into the pool and they were sitting they were sitting like at a table everybody was wrapped it was freezing and they were they were drinking, and he said, uh, "Hey, you want a drink?" I was him, the bass player, and whatever. And he says, "You want a drink?" And I said, "Sure." So he poured me a Black Russian because those were the drinks that we were drinking at the time. And I, you know, I said, "Okay." So I have this drink, and Billy looks at me, and he says, "Well," he says, "We've been sitting here trying to figure out what happened tonight." He said, um, "Same band, same set list, um, same me, same show, same sound." But something happened tonight that has never happened before. People were applauding in places that they never applauded before. People were kind of inhaling and, and, and being shocked at certain points. And, 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 and we figured that by process of elimination, it was the lights. So
1: you're hired. Wow. Hey, hey! keep your thought right there. Don't go anywhere. Uh, let me just remind folks, Steve Cohn is the voice that you're hearing. He's uh, uh, unbelievable at what he does, uh, stage design, light design, and we're hearing uh, really a history of, uh, of a part of the entertainment business that we don't normally get to hear. Frank McKay signing off just for a moment we'll be right back right after these commercials more breaking it down with Steve Cohen
3: when you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year 100,000 mile limited warranty you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner Kia, movement that inspires.
0: Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory
3: available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.
0: In many ways, Long Island is the story of America. It's breaking it down with Frank McKay. Long Island is
1: definitely the place for you.
0: Now, here's your host, Frank McKay, on 1071
1: WLIRFM Hampton Bay's. We'd like to welcome everyone back to breaking it down frank mckay here so much more importantly lighten and stage design extraordinaire uh it comes from uh it comes from california i thought he was originally from new york uh, because of the billy joel connection here but steve cohen is our very special guest and uh, i cut him right in the middle of a, uh, an incredible story how it really started kicking in and he's right I mean this is a, in an industry that's just about 60 years old and who better to hear from the, than one of the masters Steve Cohn, welcome back
2: thank you. thank you thank you thank
1: you do you remember where I cut you off it was right right where uh, Billy had had this epiphany that people were clapping at spots that they weren't normally clapping at uh, because of the lights which uh, must have been a thrill for you
2: yeah I mean listen I was in I was a musician who um, who channeled my musical uh, uh, enjoyment and, and knowledge and feel into a visual medium. And so, you know, looking back on it, it made a lot of sense. At the time, you know, I mean, I was 20, 20, I think I just turned 21. So, you know, you're, you don't really know, you know, those times you put your head down and you got to get go to the next city. So I did, we did, uh, I don't know, 14 or 15 shows and immediately bonded with these guys immediately they became my family they were not only my road family but my parents got to meet them and you know we would spend we spent a lot of time in that first year together in and uh i thought we had you know a real bond and real friendship well at the time um billy wasn't managed yet by his wife but he but she sort of ran the roost and they they didn't pay me uh they paid but but for some reason the last payment was being withheld and they wouldn't pay it they thought that we were overcharging and, and i and i will tell you in today's dollars i don't know what it was but i think it was like 1200 dollars. and then though and in those days 1200 dollars at the end of the tour was all the profit you ever made so so my partner didn't know anything about how the business works and he took them to small claims court and six months later They're getting ready to go back out on the road. Now I'm already friends with these guys and they're getting ready to go back out on the road. And I'm like, how come they haven't called? How come they haven't called? And I talk talk to my buddy Brian and I go see Bill. And he's like, well, you're going to have to talk to Elizabeth, my wife. And uh, so I call her and she says, you don't sue Billy Joel. And I was like, well, I wasn't suing Billy Joel. I was suing the the accountant. Well, don't you know it's Billy's money? I'm like, yeah, but you guys owe me the money. Well, you could have just called and asked. And I was like, Oh, yeah, you're right. I could have. But I didn't. So I'm not. I'm out. And so I'm thinking that's it. The end. Um, it was a nice career. And uh, mm-hmm. they went to they, they got out on the road and were starting to do songs from Turnstiles. And um, they were in in Salt Lake City. And I got a phone call at four o'clock in the morning. They are hammered uh, with the promoter. And they say, the light guys doing the lights suck. You got to get on a plane and come out and fix it. Uh, but you can't ha- you can't use your company and I turned to my partner and I said okay I'm selling the company cuz I'm going on the road with Billy Joel yeah. and 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 that and that's that you know I mean you know 1975 I moved to New York and um you know the rest is my life but um you know it's interesting when I think back on it and I've told this story a few times but you know you realize in life how many how many opportunities happen on the, on the p- head of a pin, like th- so many things can change and your entire life can go in a completely different direction. And, you know, one of the things, you know, now these years, these, these many years down the line, you know, how grateful I am that, that it worked out this way. And then I landed in an organization with a guy who is, you know, who is one of the most honest and straightforward Uh, men I have ever worked with and his work ethic is a work ethic that I took on my shoulders from from the beginning which was you know show up do the best you can be a journeyman don't try and be an artist be a be a a functioning member of society and not try and be bigger than you are and always remain humble and and never ever ever compliment yourself and you know let other people compliment you but and you know so there's this humility that that's a through line in Billy's life that we all, you know, and be cool. That was the other thing. You just got to be cool. <laughs> but uh, we, you know, we we grew up, and then, you know, as my career took off, and I started to, you know, Phil Ramone was producing. He was producing Paul Simon. He put me together with Paul Simon. We did a Paul Simon tour, and then Simon and Garfunkel. And then I got in touch with. I got to hang out with these guys out in California. Funnily enough, while I was living in New York, you know, Howard Kaufman and, and Craig Fruin and Irving Azoff and these guys you know, put me with ELO and and uh uh Don Henley and, and uh Hart and then I ended up doing Yes and then I ended up doing all these other stars. You know, the, the end of the nineties come in and I become the guy who does Britney Spears and In Sync and their very first tours and Mariah Carey and Eagles and Lenny Kravitz and you know so I've had the opportunity to work with you know to work with everyone you know Early on in their career, and sometimes when they were, you know, pretty established, um, you know, in an industry where there was a handful of us guys who did it, um, I can name them, and I can name ten of them, and we we carved up all the work because we were the only ones who, who you know, had that ability to relate to the artist and then try and interpret what the artist wanted to do on stage. You know, I became a set designer and a video designer out of necessity because you know, you'd bring in a set designer and he'd come up with a great idea, but there'd be no place to put any lighting. And if you didn't, you know, you know, and, and it was always fighting with, with what the scenic guy wanted to do to try and light it because they didn't understand, you know, when you're touring, you can't take certain things on the road because you have to have clear air space and, you know, all kinds of those technical issues. So I just went, you know what, I can do that. And surrounded myself with some really great collaborators, um, I originally started working with the guys out at FM out in San Francisco, um, Larry Hitchcock and and uh, Tom Strand and Jim Day. Those guys we collaborated for many many years. And then, you know, as you know, the late '90s turned into you know stuff. I, I began to work a lot with Michael Tate and Tate Towers. And as we all know in the industry, that that area in Lidditz, Pennsylvania, now is sort of the center of rock and roll production uh and um you know so so you know and very sophisticated and the industry you you know you go there now they're both you know global companies with 100 million dollar valuations and you know thousands of employees and you know they're building their own farm team of technicians and roadies and and uh and artists and graphic designers and and draftsmen and you know it's you know it's grown up it's a grown-up business and it's a very expensive business you know, I think, you know, you talk about some of these shows like Beyonce and and uh, Madonna and uh, the Stones. And you're talking about, you know, multiple, you know, 50, you know, 20 million dollar productions that, you know, people are putting out on the road, which at the time, you know, when I was doing stuff, it was, uh, you know, whatever you could take it, whatever you could put in the back of a of a panel truck. So um, it, it's an it's an ama- it's been an amazing growth. And I feel really honored to have. Observed it and watched it and participated in it because You know who gets to do that stuff who gets to start an industry? I mean, you know that that's stuff that you see on the history channel So uh, it's pretty awesome.
1: I, I mean it just uh, honestly in, incredible uh, Listen, we're, we're we're coming up on another break I want to want get you to promise me that uh, let's do uh, real soon a, a, a part three part four part five uh, whatever. This is a, uh, you know, this is a story I I don't think has been told. And as these, like, for example, super to- uh, the Super Bowl halftime shows, uh, mm-hmm. as you're saying all of this, I'm saying, yeah, right. 60 years ago, you know, I mean, there's, uh, there's no potential of that. You know, there's no thought of that. Or even you mentioned the Beatles. And the Beatles were playing stadiums. They were, this wasn't the Beatles. Never saw this until they were, indiv- you know, individually playing, right? You didn't you, when you see Shea Stadium. There was no, there was no production there. It was just yeah. them, them on the stage, and and you know whatever. Uh, you know, you were at the growth of an industry that is just. It's a multi-billion-dollar uh, industry that is. Um, you know that that the the behind-the-scenes work is really. Uh, is is really hidden, and uh, this is uh, you know this is an insight into an industry that um, uh, you know that we should all know more about. Steve Cohen, by the way, if you're just joining us or you're just turning on your radios a little late, is our very special guest. And uh, as far as stage design and and lighting and everything goes, uh, like I said, if there was a Hall of Fame, and there should be for this type of thing. They, they'd have to build a whole wing for Steve Cohen. And we talked about his work with uh, Billy Joel, but uh, you know Britney Spears and in uh, Sync, and uh, you know you know he mentioned uh, Henley uh, and Irv, well, Irvin Azoff, and you know of course the the famed manager of the. Um, of the Eagles and so many other people. And I I mean, uh, talking to Steve is like talking to, uh, you know, getting a history lesson for all of this. So I promise you, we're going to, we're going to come back for some more. Steve, uh, listen, any, uh, any last thought, what's the rest of your year look like? And and we've got about a minute left. Uh, What's the rest of your year look like? And do you do anything on social media or, or do you have a website where people could follow along with what you're doing? uh I'm,
2: I'm not i'm i don't do a lot of social media i do have an instagram handle sac at sacpltd, um and i kind of post i've been posting show stuff for the past year and a half now because it seems to get people they feel people seem to like that stuff but i i don't my website's ancient so i haven't you know i haven't really updated that the rest of the year is uh we're in the we're uh i'm i've got 3 film projects and television projects that i'm producing that are in production and development which is a great expansion of my career and and then you know the billy joel thing train just keeps going we're very fortunate that we do two two shows a month we do one show at the madison square garden every single month and then we do a stadium and or some other special event uh throughout the month we're actually going to australia in december for the first time in, I don't know, eight, uh, 15 years, 14 years, wow. something like that. Uh, so it's a long trip for us. And, you know, we go down there and play a couple of shows, uh, and then come back and start the year all over again. But, um, you- who knows, you know, I'm, I- I'm, I'm, uh, you know I'm doing Blake Shelton and John Mellencamp next year I'm designing both of their shows so I'm still I'm still uh, showing up and working
1: listen I want to I want to get you when we have uh when we have the chance I want to talk about uh that that uh infamous uh famous I should say and and historic uh Russian trip you know to uh, uh-huh. the Soviet Union and uh that was something that um, Uh, You know, again, to me, it's gotten it uh, it hasn't gotten the attention in history that it should uh, should have gotten. And either I'm getting older or more pretentious, but I'm starting to think that uh, that it's real important to talk to the people who've actually seen it. And uh, and, uh, you know, it's important to get it down and documented. Steve, thanks a million for being here. Congratulations on everything. Uh, Stand by as we say goodbye to everyone. Steve Cohen. Everyone has been our very special guest, and uh, again, a a history of entertainment that we don't always hear, and I promise you we'll have more. Frank McKay signing off, Uh, lighting and stage designer extraordinaire Steve Cohen has been our very special guest. We'll see you all next time on Breaking It Down.
0: He's breaking it down. So you don't have to. This is Breaking It Down with Frank McKay on 1071 WLIRFM Hampton Bays.